Abby Slagle. I'm a junior from Miami University in Ohio, and I'm an intern this summer here at the Blue Policy Institute. And I'm an honor to introduce our final speaker for today, Ms. Leah Combos. Leah is a senior advisor on the House Committee on Foreign Affairs. She advises the chairman of the committee, Congressman Edwards, of the 39th District in California. Um, that district includes Orange County and San Bernardino County. Ms. Compos advises Congressman Royce on all Western Hemisphere and national security affairs. Prior to working on the Hill, Ms. Compos spent her undergraduate years at Arizona State University and holds a master's degree from the University of Pittsburgh in public and international affairs. After college, she gained extensive foreign policy and national security experience and knowledge by working in the clandestine service of the Central Intelligence Agency for over 10 years. In her home state of Arizona, Ms. Compos was active in her state GOP and ran for congressional seat in 2012. In 2013, she became a National Security Advisor for the House Committee on Foreign Affairs. Much like her sister, Ms. Rachel Campos Duffy, wife of Congressman Sean Duffy, who just had her eighth child recently, um, Leah loves family and lives in Arlington with her four children. Please join me in welcoming Ms. Leah Campos. Well, thank you very much for having me. That nice introduction. I, I got here at the tail end of Gail's speech, but I heard she has six children, and as you know, now from her introduction, my sister just gave birth to her eighth child, so I'm officially an underachiever with only four children. <laughs> um, when Michelle and Laurel asked me to come here and speak to you all about how to excel in your DC internship, I have to admit that I was a bit scared, um, a bit nervous, because uh, I'm, I'm a mom, as, as we've discussed, raising four children, two of whom are teenagers, so. I sort of developed this unattractive tendency to lecture people. So I thought, how am I going to spare the young women of my lecturing? Because when I was your age, that was the last thing I wanted, was another person lecturing me. So I texted a young lady who interned on the Hill last year and who, like you guys, attended the lectures um, here at the Claire Booth Women's Policy Institute. I asked Kristen what lessons she learned working on the Hill last year and advice on what I could say to you all. I want to read to you what she said to me. She just graduated from Villanova, by the way, and she's a, just a, a lovely young conservative woman. She said, yeah, I thought about this a bit. Most speakers take a super motivational approach and promote drive in all the girls. While those are feel-good lectures and feel really empowering, I find it hard to believe that any young undergraduate woman in that room won't already be driven, competitive, and confident. I remember all those girls who declared the Foods lecture last year, and they had the most impressive resume. Kristen went on to say, watching other interns reject or bemoan work because they thought it was beneath them taught me something about humility. I became willing to take on any task, which had the added effect of making me the favorite intern. There's something to be said for showing humility. After all, there's a lot more to learn than any 19 to 21 year old can imagine. Leah, you should tell them to stay humble. There are many more important things than selfishly driving a career. My dad always said, success doesn't matter if you lose yourself in the process. Wow. When she sent me that text, I immediately responded and said, A, can I adopt you? And if you're not willing to be adopted by me, would you at least hang out with my teenagers a bit and see if it rubs off? Anyway, her comments uh, reminded me of something I read in C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis said, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. I think Kristen's right. You are all here because you're driven, 
and committed. And as I look around, and I, I, I know, I've known Michelle for many years when I was a student and attended the Young America's Foundation conferences and events, I, I know that you are the future of our country and the future of the conservative movement. Very confident that, and that you guys are going to go out and do exactly that. So let me briefly add a couple things to Kristen's really good advice. Um, and then I'll, I'll keep it really short and open up to questions. Generation Z, Gen Z. That's you guys, right? That's the you guys? Gen Z? Kind of? Millennials? Okay. You've all heard the stereotype. They say you're self-entitled, unable to stick to a task. They say that you think you know too much and don't need to ask older people for advice. And you're always on your devices. <laughs> Those are the stereotypes old people like me have with young people like you. Here's my advice to you while you're working on the hill. Those of you who are working on the hill. Be the intern who constantly fucks that stereotype. Give your work your all. Get to know older people in your offices or in different committees that you might find yourself interested in. Offer yourself up to help on projects. Call people. Send me an email. Say you want to have coffee with me and ask me questions about life on the hill, life at the CIA, whatever. Show that you're not that stereotype that we've all conjured up. Constantly fuck it. That's my first piece of advice. Okay, now I'm going to go a bit mom on you. And by that I mean I'm going to ask you to think about the way you dress on the hill. You all dress lovely, I can tell. But also for your friends, ABI, this is good advice for all of your friends as well. Think about how the way you dress, think about what you're trying to convey that is by the way you dress. Try to dress professionally, it matters. People notice, and sadly, people talk. I'm not saying to not be fashionable. I love fashion. I'm obsessed with shoes. My 12-year-old brings her friends into my closet to admire my shoe collection. Be fashionable. Just be mindful of your hemlines. Try to not make your Saturday night outfit your Monday morning outfit. Also, watch what you do and say on social media. They'll come back and find you. Those are my pieces of advice. Now I wanted to know from you guys, how many of you are interested in foreign affairs, intelligence, international development? Anyone? Yeah? Oh, good. Okay, good. That makes me really happy. My passion is foreign affairs. As she said, I, I'm an advisor on the Foreign Affairs Committee. I served for many years abroad in the clandestine service. It's my passion. The problem is that conservatives are very underrepresented in the Foreign Service and in the U.S. Agency for International a major part of my job now as advisor is to provide oversight on what the Obama administration is doing in his foreign policy and his international development efforts. When I when I first started working on the Hill, we had the U.S. Agency for International Development come and, and brief us on some money they were going to spend uh, in, in the Western Highlands region of Guatemala, which is one of the most malnourished uh, areas in, in the world. And when they came in and briefed us, they kept talking about their family health projects. And the other staff workers were just nodding to the board, they were talking about the family health project, but I pounced, like you conservative women will do when you're in my position one day. I pounced. And I asked them to explain to me what they meant by family health project. They couldn't answer me then, they had to go back and consult. Anyway, it took me weeks, countless emails, several letters, until I finally got them to come clean. Their family health project was that they were handing out 
thousands of morning after abortion pills to women in the most malnourished area of Guatemala. This infuriated me. Oh, you guys can't hear me, sorry. Um, this infuriated me. Our, our government was exporting the worst of our culture to this Guatemalan society that actually celebrates motherhood and celebrates life. Why weren't we instead exporting the great American values of entrepreneurship, teaching people of this region crop diversification, um, how to find ways to generate income? While we were successful in getting the administration to stop this health program handing out uh, morning after pills, I couldn't help but think how amazing it would be if we could streamline and focus that agency and bring in more conservatives who understand that the best thing we can do to uh, help underdeveloped communities is uh, to bring in the notion of liberty, property rights, entrepreneurship, rather than trying to destroy their families. We conservatives know that families are the cornerstone of society and that property rights is the cornerstone of economic liberty. This is a huge reason why I want so badly for young conservatives to consider careers in, in foreign affairs and in, in international development because the underrepresentation of values like ours is really, it's not just the Obama administration, it happens under Republican administrations too. These agencies consider, can continue to support and promote these values that, that are, uh, are, are not uh, helpful to those societies in helping them um, eradicate poverty. Um, anyway, my true passion is intelligence. Uh, as I said, I, I joined the National Clandestine Service of the CIA right out of grad school. Um, I, I always believe that good intelligence is our first line of defense. I continue to believe that. It, uh, it, it was every day an honor for me to be living abroad and, and, and conduct operations for our country's security, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I would really love to see uh, a lot more conservative women join the Foreign Service, so, uh, excuse me, the clandestine service, so while, while you guys are on the Hill, please call on me, seriously. Come talk to me, send me an email, leah.campos, you guys know the rest, and I'd be happy to talk to you about, uh, you know, life in the clandestine service, work-life balance, all of those issues. Anyway, I want to close and open it up for questions, because I know it's been a long day for you guys. Um, by reminding you of something you may have heard that, the, uh, that Britain's late Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher used to say. She was, you might recall, the world leader who, together with President Reagan, defeated communism in the Soviet Union. She once said, if you want something said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. She's right. You guys be doers in your internships. Go out and offer yourselves up. Ask for new projects. Meet people. Um, you're all blessed to have been born citizens of this great nation. Serve your country and do it with joy. Thank you. <laughs> I'm happy to take any questions you guys might have. It can be personal. I, I, that's, that's why I asked you to come here. So. Wondering, so she works I'm, in my brother-in-law's office. <laughs> uh, so I would 
love to like work abroad, uh, but still have a career and family. So I'm just wondering how you have battled, you know, working life, family life, find the balance. Uh, I did not know what you thought you were first child. No, it's a good question. Um, so, despite what anybody will ever tell you, life is a series of choices, and and you know you, you do the best that you can. I I started. Um, I'll tell you what. I found out I was pregnant with my first child when I was an operational trainee. I I was two weeks into training, and I found out I was pregnant. Right? You know, by any estimation, the worst possible time <laughs> you're pregnant. But it was the most beautiful thing that ever happened to me. I still went through training, it was great, I, 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 I did well. Um, and what I did was my, my sort of personal choice, and I was fortunate to, be, to have been able to make it, I said, well, I know that I can't be a great operative and a, a great nursing mother of a newborn at the same time. So I took some, some time off when my children were very little. And it, you know, did it impact my career negatively for a little bit? Absolutely. Um, do I regret it ever? Not for a second. It was the most valuable time that I had with my children. And then once they were a little bigger and, and you know they were on a good nursing schedule and I could pump, and then I went back to work. Um, but you know, I, and I and I and I had three more after that, so it must not have been so bad. Um, it was, but it's the decisions that people have to make now. You know, this is sort of controversial, and I, I you know, I, I was talking to my sister about coming here and, and chatting with you guys today. I said, oh, gosh, should I say this? Should I not? But, you know, one of the things that's, that I learned now that I'm in my 40s, reconnecting with a lot of my old colleagues from when I was in training, so I was in my 20s in training, um, a lot of them put off uh, motherhood um, and because, you know, they they wanted to focus on their career, and that's, that's what they thought mattered, and they figured, I'll just do motherhood later, and now they're, they're my age, and, you know, they, they really regret it um, because they, they can no longer have children. Now, it's a super personal decision, but... Um, you know, I, I, I've seen it so often among my colleagues, you know, hard-charging women who are doing really, you know, aggressive jobs, which is what our, my old job was, and they, um, they, they took a path, and I took a different path, and, and you know, the, the truth is, is that I, I feel that I've benefited um, from the, the beauty of motherhood. I mean, it makes you a more well-rounded person, I think, and if you're blessed to have children, I, I go for it. And, and, Think of it as uh, something that will only enhance your your um, enhance you personally and professionally. I'm glad you're here. She's not a ringer. I didn't know she was going to be here. Oh, um, my name is Emily Spiegelberg. I'm a kinesiology and health student at the University of Wyoming. Um, I was just kind of interested in your health background. How you mentioned um, the public health program that you had experienced. Um, I'm just kind of curious about how you um, address that with your foreign affairs experience and in, um, in er, implementing your family um, background and American values and that and the intelligence and how you have applied that in your foreign affairs experience um, rather than just the family aspect of it and how what your experience has been with the public health issues in other countries. Right, so so this, the story I, I told about uh, this, family, this family health project was one that was briefed to me by the Obama administration when I was working, when I first uh, began advising um, the Republicans on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. So that's part of the part of the our function in Congress is that they they, they implement as, as the executive they implement a lot of these international you know, foreign affairs 
uh, uh, policy, which includes um, international development, and but yet they have to come and tell us about it so that we can provide some oversight. So the, the story I conveyed was, you know, here as a as a Republican advisor, and you know, frankly, I, I I saw absolutely no benefit to the U.S. taxpayer or to the Guatemalans who were dying of hunger to hand out morning after pills, and so we fought it. And you know, if there you get minor victories on the hill, um, it's because you know you guys once you once you've been here a while, you figure out that the, the sausage making that is legislation is it's. It's, just, it's crazy, and so every once in a while, when you get a victory, um, it's a big deal, and that's probably why I told this story because um, that was it, probably in 2014 or, or uh, 13 when when I was briefed on that program, and um, about eight months ago, the agency, some of the top levels of the agency, came to brief us, and they looked around, and, and one woman pointed at me, and she said, "You're you're Leah." I said, "Yeah, I am," and she said. I'm here to tell you that we're not handing out morning after pills at all. I needed to. I was told to make sure that you knew that that wasn't happening. That's a victory in my book. I was very happy to hear that. Um, so that was my experience with, with that. Um, and then your other question was um, just how your involvement with your family um, aspects from your experience, how you would instill that in the public health and foreign affairs. Um, yeah. So I mean, look, my my family, my my children are my number one priority. Um, and if you were to meet my, my children, they're all hyper-political and, and have, have opinions about everything. It doesn't help that their uncles are congressmen too, and so they come out to the hill a lot and vote. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, you know, I see a lot uh, that's going on abroad. I, I take examples uh, from countries. I, 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 I do a lot of work on Latin America. That's my focus. And you can see, you know, the, the problems that happen for example, in Venezuela, what socialism does to an otherwise what should be a wealthy country, a country with, with the largest proven oil reserves is now suffering under huge amounts of inflation and can't even get toilet paper. Um, so I do come home and tell my children all of these stories, things that are happening. And in fact, my my nine-year-old now, when he was seven, went onto the, onto the house floor to vote with his uncle. And I had just told all my children the story about all the Central American children that had been coming unaccompanied and landing at our, at our border and all the work we were trying to do to, to get the administration to stop creating reverse incentives to, that was encouraging these kids to come to our border. And um, I found out later that when my that then seven-year-old son was on the House floor, he grabbed Paul Ryan and he said, Paul. <laughs> uh, another member conveyed the tone of the story after he said, Paul. You need to do a hearing on what's happening in Honduras and all these kids coming to our border. And apparently, the speaker, uh, Mr. Ryan, looked down on him and said, "Okay, Xavier, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it." But I mean, it's, it permeates their lives. My, my job. So. <laughs> um, so I'm Hi, um, my name is Cameron Barney. Uh, I guess, sorry, that's a lot. Uh, I go to school in Claremont County, California. Um, so at the end of your talk, you mentioned um, how grateful we are to live in America and you know being prideful of being American. Um, so I wanted to ask uh, if you've experienced or um, how you respond to uh, just general attitudes of like not being prideful of being American, sort of like looking down upon um, American exceptionalism. Like I, I feel that especially in sort of a more liberal arts college. Um, you know, the feeling that 
America thinks too much of itself almost. So how, how would you respond to sentiments like that? Yeah, no, it's a good question. You know, I, I spent almost all of my childhood living abroad because my father was in the military. And we, um, so he served overseas a lot of his career. And then in my job at the CIA, I was serving abroad the whole time. And, you know, I, I don't think anything makes you more certain of American exceptionalism than when you spend your life living abroad. It doesn't matter where, anywhere. Um, you know, we, we would come home, I would come home to visit my parents once a year and just walking into a grocery store, like, oh, thank God I'm back in America. It's such a great thing. Um, so I, I, don't, I have no time for it when, when my, my friends on the left try to tell me that we're, we're not exceptional. We are. There's no doubt in my mind. And I, I think you challenge them all to go anywhere else in the world and, um, and, and live there on their own for a bit. And they'll come running back uh, and, and serve them American exceptionalism. You know, it's, it's a constant struggle when you're on a college campus because we're, you know, conservatives, um, are, it's, we're sort of the, the last group you can attack openly. Um, so you, you girls just have to be strong and, and know your principles, know your values, read a lot. That was one of the greatest things I, I when I when I went, used to go to the Young America's Foundation um, events and, and things like uh, like this, was I was given a lot of books. Do you remember that, Michelle? You guys always gave us a lot of books. And I would read them. And, and it, was so, it was so important for me to be able to <laughs> intelligently defend our principles, um, because they have vitriol. They can insult us and call us names, but we have facts and we have, uh, you know, history on our side. And, and I just encourage you to, to use that. Don't don't go negative on them. Let them go into the gutter. And, and despite what we may see out there currently, let's just stay positive and, and confident that we're, we are the greatest country that the, the world has ever known. We are. you mentioned books, what particular book would you say has been exceptionally, has been very influential in your life? I noticed you quoted my favorite author at the beginning, C.S. Lewis. So, what would be good reading? You know what? I don't know how you feel about this, but I love screw tape letter, letters. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I read it once a year. And I, I give it to my, uh, my call it my high school uh, sophomore person. Um, yeah, you know, um, I, I, I remember the first book that I got when I went to Young America's Foundation was um, Very Gold Waters and Conscience of the Conservative. And in fact, um, my sister grabbed the copy that I had because she was at some lecture in Arizona when uh, Very Gold Waters was still alive and he, and he signed it for me. And when I was at the University of Pittsburgh, this liberal gal who was my neighbor with whom I would spar said, let me borrow your book, okay? You're, talking about conservatism, let me borrow this book, and it's a short read, if you guys have read it, it's just it's a quick read, and it's, it's powerful, and she never gave it back to me. Mm -hmm. oh, it's, my, it's my biggest regret, but, um, but yeah, so um, there, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, for, for my, uh, you know, the, my moral foundations, I've turned to C.S. Lewis a lot, I do, I love um, C.S. Lewis, Richard Blumhouse, that's a great book, um, had a great book, um, Death on a Friday afternoon, but for conservatism, I mean, you know, the classics. Um, Russell, Kirk, what, what is, what, what is, was it called, Michelle? Russell, Kirk, conservative what? mind. The conservative mind. The conservative mind. 
um, that was another one I got. Um, I think I was an entering freshman in, in college, and it's this big, and um, I read it all the way home from Washington to Arizona, and, and you know, I, every once in a while I'll pull it out and, and remember some of the excerpts, and, and it sort of, you know, strengthens your, your um, ability to defend your principles when you, when you read some of those classics. Okay, I have a quick question. This is kind of um, about like a lifestyle. So I feel like a lot of girls, especially us, we a lot of y'all are entering on the hill. I feel like a lot of girls come to DC, and they feel like this is just kind of a lifestyle. They work in politics for a few years. It's kind of like something that you want to do while you're young. Um, how do you make it work with four children? And do you like have any advice for us? Like, do, is it true that this is just kind of like a lifestyle for young, like teenagers, like early twenty year olds, or like how do you make it work? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a tough question for you because I never interned on the hill like you guys are. I mean, you're you're all sort of now just sort of deciding what you're gonna what you want to do for the rest of your lives. Um, I, for for me, um, I I knew very very early on in my college career that I wanted to serve in the in with the agency, and and so that was very very quickly. I mean, I was a college Republican president on my campus, and I was active. Was sort of in my blood, but I, I knew I got what I wanted to do. Um, but then I got, I got bitten by that bug again um, when I was living in Arizona. Um, I was I, I was detailed um, to the to the Phoenix, um, the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force, and I was doing really important work there. And then the new district opened up, and, and I thought, my goodness, you know, I'm back home. I'm never here. I'm, I'm back home, and there's a new district I should run. It ended up not being a very successful campaign. I did win, obviously, but I learned so much about you know how difficult it is to run for Congress, for starters, um, and and how important it is for the conservative movement. Even if I didn't win, um, they, I, 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 the day of the primary when I when I um, when I didn't do well enough to make the general, I got a million texts from from conservative supporters saying. You know, you got to do this again. You know, go and get in there. And, and I think that the, the issue is that there aren't a lot of women conservatives who, you know, go out and, and pursue um, political office. And um, I really hope that some of you consider it. It's hard. And it's hard to do it with kids. And my sister, now I'm, I'm divorced, and so I've been asked to go back and run in Arizona. And my sister says, you can't do it unless you have a wife, because she's the wife of a congressman. Um, and, and, you know, it's true. It's, it's Hard. It's hard work. It's not glamorous. Um, I watch the members sleep on their couches and get up and run to meetings back and forth. It's, it's not a glamorous lifestyle, but it's important. And you know, one issue I'm really passionate about as a mother is the issue of life. And um, you know, a lot of times when we get criticized for our position on, on the pro-life issues because there are conservative men talking about it. And I think conservative men have every right to talk about um, the issue. Uh, but if they if they don't want to hear men, they should hear us. And, and we should be stepping up. So those of you who, who have the inclination to run for office, do it. And, and you know, make defending life your, your number one issue. And, and because we need a lot of reinforcements on that issue in particular.
Hi, I'm Elizabeth. I'm from uh, North Dakota State. I am in ROTC, so when I graduate, I'll be going into the Air Force. Right. And a lot of the trouble that I've entered into, especially in my program, is that there's a lot of criticism for my beliefs and for my political standing. And I'm sure, as you're aware, if you're in the military, you're not allowed to go off and say um, anything political, really. And so I find it's really hard to keep up those beliefs and then not only to act on them. Because I'm the only woman in my program, first and foremost, um, and because there are a lot of people, like I said, that don't have my same beliefs. So do you have any tips or, or people that you look to for support? Or Are you are you being criticized by fellow ROTCers for your beliefs? Um, Partially. Um, Fargo is a very liberal community, yeah. and then there's the rest of North Dakota. Um, but a lot of times it's just I get attacked for, for being the only female, and because I want to go into um, intelligence, and some people will come at me for that, and <laughs> see me as, as a target, and so I'm just looking, especially as I progress through the military and, and everything else that I do in my personal life. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. You're, you're, you're in, a, in a very liberal environment. First of all, thank you for, for being willing to step up and serve your country that way. I'm an Air Force brat. My dad was in the Air Force. Uh, it's a great life. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't really know what to tell you except, you know, just keep being strong. You're, you're, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room. And, uh, you know, just you, you live your life uh, and, and defend your, your, your values through you know, the things you say in class and in your, your RTC program, I'm sure you're taking military history classes, is that right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to be able to defend yourself there and, and, and do it intelligently. Um, just, just be strong, you're doing the right thing. If you're going to go into intelligence, um, you know, that's the tricky thing because you, 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 you got to maintain a low profile, right? So it's, it'll be good practice for you to sort of dodge some of those some of those attacks by just keeping a low profile and letting it go, but just be strong knowing that you're you're doing the right thing. And by the way, um, I think women make much better case officers, intelligence officers than men. I'm just throwing that out there. We, we're just really good at it. So do it, you know, and, and, and enjoy it. And maybe you'll join the civilian side after you get out of the Air Force. That would be, be a lot of fun for you.